Well, good morning and uh, welcome to the journey. Um, it's an awesome day. You know, I love having this opportunity uh, to meet with you online. As a matter of fact, I don't know what it would be like for us uh, if we couldn't do that. Uh, it would be really difficult. So this is wonderful to have this opportunity. It's really been nice that we didn't really have to transition into this. Uh, we kind of moved right into it because we've been streaming online uh, for quite a while. But I'm, I'm going to be really honest with all of you out there and share with you that I've been getting a little bit weary of looking at screens. Uh, there's a new term that's came about called Zoom lag, and I'm kind of feeling that. Uh, the staff is working full-time, and so we have meetings every day, sometimes multiple meetings, and they're, they're online staring at screens. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a reason for that weariness that I'm feeling. And I think the reason is, is as great as it is, is as wonderful as it is that we have this option, it's a pretty poor substitute for actually being with all of you and being face-to-face. -face. So I'm looking forward to that time, and I hope that that's coming soon. I think we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel, but I can't wait until we can be back together when we can hug one another and shake hands and enjoy that fellowship that we did uh, before uh, all of this. And so I'm looking forward to that. For the last two weeks, Randy has been talking about how we need to have faith during times like this. And so we're starting a new series today, and we're going to be talking about ways that we can help you grow in your faith during this time of uh, lockdown and pandemic. And so our mission here at Journey Church is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. And that's exactly what we want to do. Our goal is to do just, uh, just that. But things are a little bit different today. Uh, several weeks ago, helping you move on your journey looked a little bit different than what it would look like today. And so we're going to try to answer this uh, simple question that Randy alluded to uh, when he welcomed us today. How can we keep moving on our journey when nothing else in the world is? How can we keep moving when the world is at a standstill? Well, we think the values that, that we've um, developed here at Journey Church, we think they're still applicable, uh, even though they might look a little bit different. They're applicable today. Those values that, that we've uh, decided are so important to help us move on this journey are connecting to His church. It's growing in our faith, and it's sharing our lives with other people. And so we believe if we can effectively live out those values, that we will stand a better chance of being able to take the next step on our journey. And these values, in order to help us out with that, we have to restate these values into actions. To connect to God's church means, that's, that's the process of becoming a disciple. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the act of growing and how that involves the state of being a disciple. And then finally, we're going to talk about growing and how that involves the state of making disciples. And so that's what we're going to be unpacking over the course of the next couple of weeks. So this series is going to be all about these values, but we're also going to incorporate what we believe were the six foundational priorities of Jesus when he walked on this earth. And those priorities are, are this. It's Jesus, uh, when he lived his life, he had a Holy Spirit dependence. 
He depended on the power of the Holy Spirit to do everything that he did. Jesus lived a life of prayerful guidance, always going to his Father, always talking to him. Jesus' perfection came out of his obedient living. And so Jesus was always obedient to the Father's will. And he was word-centered. He was very connected to Scripture. And he never failed to exalt the Father. He was always worshiping God. He was always giving Him credit for everything that was going on in His ministry. And so these are the six foundational priorities of Christ. And we think if we can dovetail those, if we can integrate those into those values of connecting, growing, and sharing, then we can move on our journey. We can do that in a mighty way. So I want to challenge a little bit of online interaction here. Uh, Randy already mentioned, uh, offer your prayers today. Let us know that you're here. But I've asked that the text leave these uh, priorities up on the screen for just a little while. Maybe you want to jot them down. Maybe take a screenshot or, or commit them to memory. But my challenge is, is I'm going to be talking about a few of these as we unpack our values. And when I do that, would you just share those online? Just share those in the command line. I wish I could offer you some sort of a prize for the person that did it the most. I can't do that, but uh, maybe just the satisfaction uh, that you were the one. So please consider taking part in that today. Look for those priorities as we walk through our message this morning. So why is it important to become a disciple of Jesus? Well, the biggest reason is is that's because that's what he uh, invites us into. He invites us into a servant-master relationship. And so he invites us into a, a deep relationship. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he challenged the curious, the people that were wondering about him, to just simply come and see. Just check it out. And that's what we would say to you out there today if you don't know Jesus, if you've never, uh, if you've never given your life to him. The simple message for you is just come and see. Check it out for yourself. Then later to the people that believed Jesus, these disciples that wanted uh, more from him, he just simply said, follow me. What he was saying when he said, follow me, he was saying, get in behind me. He was saying, fall in line. Be the student. I'll be your master. Watch what I do. Listen to what I say. And so Jesus was inviting them into a relationship of love and integrity when he invited them to follow him. And Jesus challenges all of us to do that. And Jesus challenges us to go further and to become what he really calls us to be. And that's for a later discussion. Randy's going to unpack that. But how do we go about becoming disciples of Jesus? As I said before, it's by living out these important values in our lives. First, we need to be present in his church. The church is Jesus' construct. Jesus built the church on the earth so that we could, we could continue on with kingdom work until he returns. Jesus built the church and he wants us to take part in it and he wants us to take part in that out of our obedience. Jesus said to his disciples when he took them to the northern regions of Israel, to Caesarea Philippi, he, he asked this following question of them. He said, who do the people say that uh, the, son of the, man, the Son of Man is. And they answered and they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. 
And some say you're Jeremiah or maybe one of the other prophets. But then, but then Jesus turns the question back and gets more personal. And he says, who do you, who do you say that I am? And I think it's interesting that Jesus used the term I am in those verses. But Peter jumped up and he answered and he said, you are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus said, Peter, this wasn't given to you by mortals. It was the Father in heaven. It was God who revealed this to you. And he said, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't overcome it. Now, sometimes I think uh, this verse gets a little bit misinterpreted, but you got to understand the backdrop. This area, this place where Jesus was, was challenging his disciples. It's in this place called Caesarea Philippi. This was a pagan area. Most of the people there worshipped a false god, a horrible false god called Pan. They built an elaborate temple at the rocky foothills of Mount Hermon, which is the highest peak in Israel. Jesus, I believe, was saying it's on these rocks that these places like this that I'll build my church and it'll be the brightest light in the darkest of places and hell won't overcome it. See, that temple in the backdrop, that temple of Pan, there was a cave in the temple and it was a place where they, they, they sacrificed their own babies. It's a place where they killed their infants and sacrificed them to this false god. And the name of that cave was the Gates of Hades. They considered it the Gates of Hell. They believed that this false god lived in the bowels of the earth. And so it's right there in front of all of this that Jesus said, my church is going to be built in the darkness so that it can shine brightly and the Gates of Hell won't overcome it. What a wonderful illustration that Jesus was given to his disciples. And you know, back then, 2,000 years ago, the culture was a dark place. There's no doubt about it. But folks, I think we live in darkness today too. Back then, they sacrificed their, their infants. They sacrificed them to a false god, to this god of Pan. Today, we sacrifice our infants to progressivism, at the altar of progressivism. That's our Pan today. And I think what Jesus was also telling his disciples and what he's telling us today is that we don't need to be saturated by the culture. We need to be counter-cultural. We need not to, not to let the culture affect the way we're doing. We need to affect the culture. And we can start doing that. The first simple process of doing that is by making attending church a priority for our families. By attending services in his creation and living that out in our lives. So, so I got to ask the question, you're probably thinking this too, how in the world do we attend church? I'm saying attending church is important. How do we do that in the midst of a worldwide pandemic and a lockdown? Well, it's by doing what we're doing right now. It's by logging on to Facebook, Facebook Live, being connected to his church. You know, I'm praying daily in the time in the near future where we can meet face to face again. But until then, I'm going to encourage you, let's keep doing this. Let's continue uh, to meet online. You know, at times we've had, uh, it peaked at Easter, we've had 160 uh, people watching our Facebook Live. Now that's 160 screens. And so considering that we're made up of mainly families, that's probably three or four times that number. And that is just totally 
Awesome. That is great. Keep doing that. I encourage, and I encourage you, as long as this lasts, keep logging on to Facebook Live or go to our website and connect to the sermon. We really appreciate you doing that. And I know that there's people out there because I've seen this personally. There are people out there that have never walked over our threshold of our building at Journey Church. If that's you, I want to take this opportunity to, to welcome you that when this whole thing has lifted, that you come and you visit us. And we'd like to welcome you into the family. So I encourage you to do that, and I can't wait to meet you. We can't wait as a church to see you coming. So in the end, to become a disciple, you need to be an active member in his church. I think that's what God calls us to do. Another way that we can become a disciple, we can work on becoming a disciple, is by being a part of a community, uh, being a part of a smaller community of other Christians, being a part of a small group. And, you know, that's just important. Being involved in, in a community of believers, that helps us build those relationships of love and integrity, just like Jesus did in his ministry. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, my, my son taught himself how to play guitar when he was younger. And he, he did this by imitating other people. He, he watched YouTube channels. Uh, he hung around with friends that were better guitar players than him. And later on, he took lessons. And then he imitated his teacher. And his teacher, no doubt, had imitated others to get to where he was. See, imitation is a way that we can grow, and, and we can become disciples by imitating other people that may be a little bit further along on their journey than we are. The author of Hebrews said this, and let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from worship services, services as some habitually do, but encouraging one another more and more as the day draws near. So another important purpose, another important side effect of being a part of community is that we can encourage one another. And so we can lift one another up. We can spur others along. My wife and I have been a part of a journey group here at the church probably for more than 15 years, several different groups. And I can tell you, I don't think we could have grown at all. We've got a long way to go, but I don't think, I don't know where we would be had we not taken part in those smaller communities of believers to build one another up. And you know, one thing that I have learned is that we can meet with other people for a long time. We can spend a lot of time with others and never really know them. And we, we can do that without being really familiar with one another. And so it's important to note that when we're taking part in community, that to drop those roadblocks and really get to know each other, uh, it takes a really consistent and an intentional effort to do that. And that's what God wants us to do. Luke, in the book of Acts, I think, described Christian community better than we can ever think about. I couldn't come up with a better description. When he said that they devoted themselves uh, to each other, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. He said that they, uh, they devoted themselves to fellowship, that they ate together. They broke bread, and they had prayers together. And, and they were all together. They had everything in common. Think about what that means. 
And every day they devoted themselves to meeting in the temple courts uh, to, to worship. And they ate in each other's houses. And they had a wonderful attitude about it, a humble and a joyful attitude all the step of the way. They were always praising God and they had favor among the people that were around them. And then God blessed them by increasing their numbers by people that were becoming believers of Jesus. That's the beautiful picture of community. This, these verses shed a light on the result that I think we're supposed to have when we involve ourselves in community within the church. True community means looking out for one another. It means praying for one another. You know, just recently we had an incident where one of our journey group leaders sent the staff an, an email. And he said, you know, I've got a, a, a person that's in our group. He's having surgery this morning. I just wanted to let you know that I just left the hospital. I went and I prayed for him. And so it created a little bit of a mini panic because we hadn't heard about it as a staff. And so we were going around texting each other, trying to figure out who would be available to go pray for this gentleman. And then we found out that the surgery had already happened. And then later on, it dawned on me. Wait a minute. His group leaders already prayed for him. You know, we could have gone there as staff. We could have went and prayed with him. And it would have been, we would have been acquaintances to him. But the person that prayed for him is someone who's known him for years. Someone who's very familiar with him. Somebody who loves him. Folks, that's what community is all about. You know, you can say it's the staff member's job to do that. It's kind of hard for us to be really intimately knowing and involved in the lives of 600 people. But in that smaller group of people, those folks can care for one another and meet their needs. And so that's the important part about community. They provided for the needs of everybody. It says they sold their stuff and they gave it to people that had need. And when we do that, when we involve ourselves in that type of community, we are shining a light. The light beams are going to go out of every crevice and crack of the walls that we have, and the world is going to see it. Because living in that effective, close community with other Christians, it's the way we can evangelize to the world around us. Jesus said it simply, By this people will know that you're my disciple, that you have love for one another. So powerful. It's our way of being that light amongst the darkness. It's that way of shining God's brightness in the dark world that's around us. So I'm saying let's meet in community. Let's get together. How do we do that when we can't even leave our homes? Well, we've got a few of our journey groups, a lot of our journey groups that continue to meet on Zoom calls. As imperfect as that is, it's still happening. This morning, we're going to have a few classes that are going to meet on Zoom calls. We have a, a, a groups that meet throughout the week that are continuing to connect online. We have a night of prayer every Wednesday night. We've had between 20, sometimes 30 people that have taken part in that. So there are still ways for us to connect in this genuine part of community. And you know, something that I've learned too is that there's, there's a lot of obstacles. You know, our groups are really tough. Because there's a lot of obstacles that keep people from meeting in a smaller group. Maybe it's driving too far. We live 10 miles out of town. I'm asking a lot of people to come to our house for a journey group. 
There are a lot of problems with childcare. We have, our church is, is, has a lot of families. And so being able to afford or even have the option of childcare is an obstacle. You know, host homes, some people may not have a home that's big enough to, to, ha- to host more than a few people. There's a lot of barriers to that. But there's one great advantage of the online uh, courses that we're having, the online groups. Most of those barriers don't matter anymore. You can get up to 100 people on a Zoom call. Child care is not really an issue. You know, you got that little mute button if your kids are making a little bit too much noise. You know, they're, they're, they're just gone. They're non-existent. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't even have to leave your home. And so I would encourage you, take advantage of that during this time. If you want to be a part of a, of a journey group, I'm going to ask you to just send me an email. Send me an email. It's on the screen. Tony at journeyky.church. And I'll hook you up with a small group. I'll send you a link to the prayer night. Whatever you want, please. I, I, I tell you, you won't regret it. Please take part in some of these online communities. You know, I think that the Lord has taught us a lot of lessons through all of this. And one thing that I realize is this online presence, this online option, it's probably not going to go away when this is all over. It's going to be a way that we can help find you where you are. So please take part in that. Folks, this too is going to pass. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little bit tired of staring at my own four walls. Uh, That weariness is setting in in that way too. And you know, some people say that we're never going to go back to normal. That this is our new normal. I hope that's hooey. I hope that that's just not true. I'm praying that, that that's not the case. You know, we will do what we're doing now, but I really do look forward to the time when we're back together as a community of believers and loving on one another. If there's one prayer that I've literally been praying every day, it's this. It's my prayer that all of this isolation, that the result of this, the good thing that come out can come from this pandemic, is that we see just how precious community is. Just how important it is that we're together. I've met with a couple of friends face to face, and I want to issue a public apology to them because I've talked their legs off. Because I can't stand being alone. Uh, I've really learned I am really not an introvert. I need other people, and I think we all do. And so I offer that apology to those people that never got a sentence in edgewise, never got a word in when they were talking to me. So to become a disciple, we need to be connected into smaller groups of Christians. We need to be living a life with other Christians. And I'm going to go as far as to say I think it's very difficult to move on our journey without community. So another way that we can become a disciple is by our service. Serving others puts our discipleship into practice. It puts it into action. Serving others is an act of obedience, and it's an act of worship. Paul said, you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use that for the flesh. But serve others and show your love for one another. Paul was saying that to serve others is to show our love for the people around us. Jesus washed the feet of the apostles. When he did that, he reduced himself to a servant. And I'll go as far as to say he reduced himself to to the action of a slave. Because that's who did that task. That's who performed that hospitality 
uh, in that first century setting when, when travelers or uh, people came to people's houses. By doing that, Jesus was really showing them just how much that he loved them through his service to them. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you uh, has to be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you has to be a slave to all because even he came not to be served, but to serve and to die for all of us. That's a bit countercultural. I'm sure it was countercultural for the day. Uh, you know, that pharisaical uh, kind of progress, if you were growing as a leader in the church back then, it, it looked like that basically the more you did, the less you served, and the more that people serve you. And I think it's pretty true of our culture today. I remember when I far started my first job, it's more than 30 years ago, my first profession, I was working in a studio, and the vice president and co-founder of the company was working with me. And I remember him standing up, and, and I was, we were drafting. I was, used to be an architect. We were drafting, and I watched him put his pencil down, and he said, Tony, I make too much money to be doing this. You need to finish it. And he went back to his office, to the comfort of his office, and I stayed in the studio, and I did the grunt work. See, because in our world, as we progress, as we grow, as we climb up that ladder, we don't have to serve as much, and more people are serving us. And Jesus is kind of turning that on its head. Jesus says that if we want to advance in His kingdom, we have to serve one another. We have to be humbled to the point of being a servant. That was the way that Jesus said the kingdom operates is that if you want to be first, you need to be willing to be last. He encouraged his disciples to serve, and he tells us that we need to do that too. James said, but someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith from my works. I said before, it's, it's putting our discipleship into practice. Serving others is an expression of our faith. Serving is an expression of our faith. Being a disciple should show, not by our words, but by our actions. People should be able to look at us and tell that we're disciples of Jesus. James said, faith without works is really no faith at all. So this is a tougher question. How can we serve when we can't leave our homes? This has been tough for us. We've, we've scratched our heads trying to find ways that we could serve our community and fill needs. And we've, we've, we've been really uh, dying to, to allow, find ways for you to serve. And, and those needs haven't surfaced as much because the world's at a standstill. But we have found uh, several ways that we can chip in and that we can help. We've actually started a new portal that just went live yesterday. It's called For Woodford. Because we want to be for our community. And so it's on our website. You can go there, you can click that link, and you can see a list of projects that you can get engaged in. You know, we've got people that are sewing masks through our Journey Provisions ministry. That, that was kind of a big deal a few weeks ago, but boy, it's a bigger deal now. Now that our governor says that we need to do that. And so if you want to take part in that ministry, if you want to help sew masks, you can click on that project. Uh, if you want to donate food to the food bank, 
And not only is it a place where you can get connected, but it's a place where you can request being served yourself. If you have a need, you can let us know. And then we'll put you in touch with some people and try to help you out as best we can. So for Woodford, don't forget that name. So to become a disciple, we need to serve others. There's another way that we become disciples, and that's through our generosity. It's through our giving to the church. You know, I said before, the church is a construct of Jesus, and supporting His church financially is a way that the the ministry of Christ here on earth can continue. Doing so is an act of obedience, and it's an act of worship. You know, I just want to say for a second, Randy alluded to this, but you know, several weeks ago, when we were faced with closing the church, when we were faced with shutting the doors of the church, one of our initial reactions was that we need to tighten up. We need to be careful because our giving will no doubt decline. Well, I, I hope I don't get too emotional when I say this, but folks, that never happened. The people that call this place their home have continued to support the mission. You guys are out there. Some of you have been furloughed. Some of you have gone through some hardships, but your giving has continued. That, that is so awesome. And I want to commit to you and tell you that the staff, the leadership of this church, the elders, we're all working hard to honor your commitment. We're, we're so humbled by your continued giving and by the fact that the ministries of this church haven't faltered, that they've gone on. And we are so appreciative of that. Thank you. And I ask you, please continue uh, with your generosity. And I know there's people out there that this you're giving and this is the first time you've done it. There's plenty of evidence of that, that, that you've started to support the ministry of Journey Church. Thank you. And we encourage you, always be willing to take your next step on your journey. You know, tithing, giving 10% is, is a biblical concept. That's the form of worship and obedience that I talked about. God said, bring the whole tithe into the, into the storehouse. Uh, bring it in and, and, and so that there'll be food in my house. And God went as far as to say, test me on this. Don't take my word for it. And watch the floodgates open. And watch the overflow of the abundance of ministry here on earth. Man, I think we're living that right now as Journey Church. See, God doesn't ask for your money. God is asking for a response. And we, when we fund His mission, we're responding. And when we do that, God will provide for our needs. I see that right now. My wife and I, several years ago, when we, when we acted in faith and we decided that we were going to joyfully give 10% of our gross income to the church, you know, when we did that, we, we, we didn't really probably realize what an act of faith that was because God has provided for us since then. Now, He hasn't made us rich. We don't have way more than we need. We're able to support the mission, support other people. You know, through times when we shouldn't have made it and we shouldn't have broke even, we have. I think that's a real thing. Don't take my word for that. God said, test him on that, and he meant it. It's the only time in the Bible where he does that. And so try it out for yourself and see. You know, we honor, like Randy said, several ways uh, of, of accepting um, the, the, our offerings to the church. We try to make it simple 
to do that. And I think we, we've done that. It's by simply clicking on the online give button. It's by uh, cash or check. Whatever is your custom. And we'll find out that our blessings come from giving with a joyful heart. Not giving because Tony says you have to. But giving because you want to. Because that's God's call in our lives. So to become a disciple, we need to connect to his church. Uh, we need to take part in a smaller community. We need to serve the people around us. And we need to be generous with the gifts that God's given us. We want to equip you to move on your simple journey toward Jesus. That's, that's what we're all about. That's what that mission statement means. That's why we exist. That's our purpose, is to help you move. I can't make people do that. I can't force you to do that. But for those of you who want to take your next step on your journey, we, it's our desire to help you do just that. You can contact us. We've made it simple to do that as well. Right now we have an online connect card. You can go on our website. You can click that button and follow that link. You can put specific requests in there. You can give us the information so that we can follow up with you. You can tell us what's on your heart, tell us what your prayer concerns are, and we will respond to you. Our also, all of the staff, our, our email addresses are online. Uh, some of us have our phone numbers. Mine's on there. I would love to talk to you about taking your next step. It just takes a call. You know, one uh, beautiful um, expression of community is uh, this thing that Jesus created for us on that night before his, his, uh, his crucifixion, and that's the, the act of Holy Communion. You know, that name, Communion, uh, is the root of community. It's when we come together as believers, and we share in this all-important meal to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, to celebrate that, and to reflect on what that means in our lives. So today, I ask that we take this in the, in the heart of community, that we're thinking about connecting to His church, what that looks like in your personal life. So it's a real simple thing. Uh, we have the bread. I don't know, hopefully you've had time to maybe go to the kitchen. Um, it doesn't matter really what it is. But uh, this is emblematic. This, is, this represents the, the bread, represents the body of Christ that was broken that day. And the juice represents the blood that was spilled at the foot of the cross. And so if you have your emblems with you this morning, ask that we would take these together. First, let's partake of the bread, the body of Christ.